Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example... Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am your father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Films and Architute, this is Real Spoilers, episode 601, a true milestone. Milestone, yes, yes. Right. Truly. <laughs> truly. Truly, truly. So uh, this episode, a that little different. I wake myself up, sorry. Oh, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case I fell asleep. Please silence all your phones. That goes yeah, no kidding. <laughs> when you're at the movies and when you're at the movie podcast. Exactly. Uh, so this episode is going to be a little different. We're going to tackle Bill and Ted 1 and 2 uh, in the same episode. Uh, so they're not super plot intensive. So before we do all that, let's go around the virtual table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Quick shameless plugs. Don't forget we're available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, Zoom. Zoom. Is that even still around? I don't. I, I don't know. They I still leave have stuff one. up. We gotta, ask, we gotta ask Timmy. Yeah, they leave stuff up forever. So like, maybe it is. I don't know. But uh, you have to have Windows ninety eight yeah. second edition to listen to it. And uh, what? Oh, and while you're while you're at your desired podcast delivery service, be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You could also leave a review if you'd be so kind, and you could also share an episode uh, through Facebook or Twitter. That's always helpful. Uh, people who were kind enough to share the episode this week, Aaron Marlowe, Julianne Jordan, Chris Williams, Chris Magic Man, Ralph Tribble, Gabriel Lugo, Tammy Sherman Powers, Michael Dean, Matt Naglia, Ronnie Castle, and Ryan Terry. And you can uh, also check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group, and don't forget our Patreon, patreon.com slash real spoilers, where for five bucks a month you get access to all sorts of bonus content, and you help us out, and that is greatly appreciated. So... There, there is all that. Uh, Bill and Ted. This is a long time between sequels. Yeah, which one between well, two and well, the no, last there was one, no or? time between one and two because that's you know right the the two years 80, 89, 80, and, 89 and ninety one right that's appropriate but uh, yeah twenty nine years I mean I know I'm getting out ahead of ourselves a little bit but we're talking about Bill and Ted because we're going to talk about two and I think that the idea that a sequel twenty nine years later. That's I think I think it's just we there's just like this uh, rush of nostalgia for 80s kids. Yeah. 
right? So um, there was the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yeah, but he's never really let that die. (laughs) Well, but I mean, like, he went went back. But it's been a while. Like, Clerks 2 was kind of the last time we saw any of those characters. Uh, But there has been, like, this another wave of nostalgia movies. Uh, and Bill and Ted is right in that wheelhouse for me. Like I, ad- I adore that f- this first movie. Like yeah. I, I, I love the first movie. But they've had comic books and cartoons. Like they were the quintessential '80s property that they yeah. milked as hard as they could. This movie's awesome. This first Bill and Ted is really great. I, the the concept is clever. It's funny. The jokes are good. It's it's a very for his quote-unquote dumb as the two of them are the movie's very smart in the way that they are written because it's hard to be it's hard to write characters that are not the brightest but have it be really funny right it could come off as stupid stupid comedy and just not interesting what makes all three of them work because i i gotta say going i hadn't seen bogus journey since uh since it came out what know? a wackadoo movie that is yeah in the totally. best way like it's just yeah, so crazy i remember walking out of bogus journey and being like meh and revisiting it i liked it way more than i remembered even yes. though it it does end up really recycling a lot of the first movie which is i'm sure what i didn't like about it but i think what it comes down to is these these two characters are are so sweet you know, like they're yes, they're just really sweet, innocent, genuinely nice people. And I thought it was interesting that in both movies, because, you know, I hadn't seen them since the 90s. Like, I've never oh, really sure. visited these. Like, I've never I didn't have a lot of love for these movies. Like, I watched them and they were fine and I enjoyed them, but I didn't like embrace them in the same way I might have a Back to the Future or something. Right. And right. Uh, like, I, I didn't have either of these on repeat like you where I enjoyed them. I saw them. I own both the DVDs, which is how I watched the second one, because there was nowhere without paying for it to to watch it so i'm like well i'm not gonna buy i I'm just i don't need to buy bogus journey so, so i watched my dvd yeah i bought bogus journey for like it was on sale for on voodoo for like five bucks one day and i'm like at some point i want to watch this again and then i already yeah it, it's bucks. 15 now so that's yeah, why i didn't like totally. and, <laughs> like these guys are super innocent and sweet and going back and watching this movie with a modern eye i was like like is this going to be cringe inducing and there's only one thing that I that really yeah. caught my eye that that I thought was cringe inducing interestingly enough it does happen in both movies but the It does. But the use I know of, exactly what you're talking of about. the other f word uh, yes. For the, I only noticed it in the second one. They no, say they, in the first one. They, they say in the first one as well. Because there's a moment where they're in grave danger and then they get saved and they hug each other and then oh. they break apart and they and they they you know have their moment of of homosexual panic quote unquote yeah right and, right oh we can't we can't be touchy feely we're dudes totally it is very hard to hear that type of stuff because we're just like nowadays you're like that's not funny in the slightest S- right? a friend of mine said she's like i she's got a son who's uh like uh 7 or 8 and she's like, oh, I've never watched these. And I was like, oh, man, like, this is perfect. And I'm like, there, okay, there is one time <laughs> that maybe you have to explain a word. But overall, like, yeah. it's a, it, there's nothing in these movies. The second one, the second one I put on, did anybody else see Return, of, Return to Oz? Year, mm. I mean, yeah, 35 I years that ago. Is a, that is a crazy movie. Yeah, it's wacky. Like, it, it's, it yeah. is, I, put, I put Bill and Ted 2 on the level of Return to Oz. 
because they just they just went for it. Yeah. yeah. Like they you know, I, I, I can't believe that a studio was like, Yeah, go ahead. Go well, ahead and pull the pull the faces off your main characters to reveal a gnarly robot. Like well, that's okay. That's well fine. two things to those points. So I think the reason, going back to what Tom said about the characters, you're right, and I wholeheartedly agree. Though characters are such good people, they never the real Bill and Ted. They never put them through really a uh, like an existential crisis where they start acting poorly and they have to, or they don't break, they don't hate each other and they have to become friends again, which has become a huge trope, obviously, with buddy movies. They don't ever make them do bad things and then they have to recover from it or whatnot. They're genuinely nice, sweet characters, like you said. And I think what what that comes down to is the creators and the original writers, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, wrote all three of these movies. So their writing style and the way they crafted these characters has carried through and they've been able to see their vision through all the way to this, you know, this new one, um, 31 years later after they did the, the original. And so the characters are genuinely sweet people. And then when you talk about just going for it, Joe, I mean, so the original movie was basically, and as I watch it again, you can totally notice it feels like an indie movie or like an art house movie, like the equivalent. It feels like a, a cartoon. But, a but, the, indie movie. Like, but the original right. feels like the equivalent of an art house movie today. And the movie, although back then it was more money, but it only had a budget of six point five million and it made forty point five million. <laughs> so when that second one came around, they did say go for it. And yeah, I guess that's fair. And the problem is, is that it is so weird <laughs> that and they crazy. Went for it. <laughs> and and, you know, the audiences weren't ready for it yeah. because no, it's it, just. No too crazy like looking back now you're like oh this is weird but it's in a cool kind of way but back then people were like wait a minute what like (laughs) the whole first premise was them time traveling through different eras and they don't even do that in the second movie so i think people are like what the hell like i came for wacky time travel historical adventures right and so they get rubber face robots and just so you know the six and a half million dollar budget adjusted for inflation is 13 and a half million dollars (laughs) today the second movie the comeback it has a twenty million dollar budget. Jeez. So like they really like they upped Which, the ante. That would probably be like a fifty million dollar budget today. It is a thirty eight million dollar budget okay. today. And, but a, um, but a thirteen million dollar budget is still extremely. It's a Blumhouse. It's a Blumhouse. Movie. I mean, yeah, Blumhouse yeah. does ten million dollar movies. Right. So it, it really that's why it feels like that, and I I like it. I like the first one. I think the first one is X. I'm not trying to. No yeah. pun intended. <laughs> no, no, I get it. Really, it's, it is. It's, it's ex- radical. It's, I get it. <laughs> and while we're talking numbers, so this the second one had a box office of thirty eight million dollars. So mm-hmm. it actually it, it grossed essentially the same amount of money as the first one, but it cost you know three times as much money to make. Interestingly enough, uh, the episode the the movie we'll be talking about on the next episode, Bill and Ted Face the Music. The budget for that movie. Thirteen million dollars, twenty-five million dollars. So it costs yeah. five million dollars more than the second movie. Thirty years later, right? That's great. Yeah, that's. I mean, that that's what that's. We've said this before: is that movies, movies like this, don't need eighty million dollars. It doesn't. Yeah. But here's here's the deal: that that budget also tells me that that. Keanu Reeves did this because he wanted to. Yes, and and I and I think oh, and he we'll doesn't get, need money, right? And I think we'll yeah. get to this in the second one. I think his performance shows you he did it because he wanted to. I mean, he is all sure. in and yeah. having a great time. But I that is the only it it is jarring in the third one a little just bit just because we just so like Alex. I, I feel like they thought 
Alex Let's wait Winter. for the third one. We got well, two I mean, movies I mean to talk about. I mean, for one about. and two. I feel like one and two, at least for one, Keanu Reeves wasn't a star yet. Mm-hmm. Alex Winter had been in Lost Boys. He'd been in all kinds of stuff. So I feel like they were centering that movie around Alex Winter, and then they got Keanu Reeves. And they're just like, oh, we've made a mistake. Or we need to pivot and go to this fresh-faced surfer kid who went on to have... An, an, I, I mean, I think Alex Winter got behind the camera. I think yeah. that's what he ended he up doing. He does documentaries. He does yeah, a lot he, of, like, yeah. behind He's the camera stuff where Keanu direct, was like, no, I'm... He was directing music videos, and, you know, he directed... Uh, it's interesting, on the first movie, there's a song from Extreme called... Yeah. Uh, what? Come, do you want to play? Come on, come on and play, ah. something like that. It's a great song. Uh, but, uh, and then their next video, uh, Decadence Dance, he directed. Oh, really? Yeah. That's fun. And then uh, in the second one, when I forgot that, was it the second one where the guy from Faith No More shows up? Yes. Yeah. When I was like, wow, okay, this, they are right in the middle of the nineties or in the very early nineties. Yeah. That brief moment in time when people thought we would recognize someone from Faith (laughs) No More. Faith No More. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was lost on me. I'm like, who is this guy? You know, you know the song Epic? I don't. Well, no, you would I, know what you would if you know. They don't That's really say I mean. epic yeah, in the song. The hook is the what you what wanted. Is, what is this? You want it all, but you can't have it. And then yeah. what okay. is this? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. I'm sure uh, I do. Yeah. But yeah, so this, I mean, it's very much a lighthearted. The first one is very much a lighthearted movie about two rock and roll kids who want to start a band, but uh, they're failing their history class and they can't. Uh, get get in, get out in front of themselves to make this class happen, or to get the uh, the A that they need to get Ted out of going to military school, which I think is hilarious that it comes back in every... Did it come back in the third one? No, but at least in one and two, it is a recurring thing where they're going to send Ted to Alaska mm-hmm. for military academy. And uh, so they're just, they're down on their luck and they don't know what to do. And then they are greeted by Rufus, played by the legendary George Carlin, who I was like, yeah, man, like, I, I miss that guy so much. It's great like, to see I, George I, Carlin. I, I wish he were still alive just so he could see today and he'd have material oh, yeah. forever. Yeah. Like, if there's anybody I'd want to hear a material, political yeah. material of today is George Carlin. I just wish he had more to do in this movie. Yeah. I was so, thinking that in the first two movies, they probably filmed his scenes in a day. And where, I, so he's like he's he's not in the movies a lot. He's front and center with his stand-up career at this point. Like he's a I mean, mega he, star, right? Oh yeah, at this point he's a legend. But uh, even in '87, he I mean, because he'd been doing stand-up since the '60s. So right, right, um, right. And his you know his really legendary stuff, you know, the seven words you can't say on TV, and that's I mean that's from the '70s, but. Um, but he also never really, um, he was one, like Richard Pryor, he's one of those stand-ups who was a legendary stand-up, but never really found that kind of career-defining film role. Sure, mm-hmm. um, sure. You know, I mean, R- Richard Pryor was in a lot of movies, and, and some of them even, you know, were were hits maybe, but he never really had that role that really fit his comic persona in the same way that, like, Robin Williams had... Uh, or Eddie Vietnam, Murphy or becoming yeah totally like it's so um so I don't know it's just he, he's he always struggled with that he briefly had a TV show in the around this time for I think yeah the Thomas early the 90s. Tank Engine yeah in the early nineties <laughs> so he did a lot of kind of like you know he would do stuff like 
Thomas the Tank Engine that you'd be like, okay, but or what was he in? He was in Jay and Bob's Strike Pack, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he because he was in their um, he was in Dogma. He was in Dogma he, because That's he was, was in yeah. Dogma. Yeah. They he brought him back for like the cameo type role, uh, like with all the different people from his movies, but. What I really found interesting was he bookends these movies. I, you know, remembering it, I was thinking that maybe he was involved with more of the adventures or the journeys. And I, when on rewatching these, I'm like, oh, wow, he really just sets them up and he's there at the end. <laughs> and in the second one, he's even in less of it and then sets them up and then you don't see him. And then he comes back at the very end. So, I mean, he's a great part of these movies, and it's great to see him again. But it's interesting that going back, like I had remembered him being in more of the movies, <laughs> which I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I feel like his brand of comedy doesn't really lend itself to uh, a, a PG movie, you know. Oh. So, like getting him in neither those little did, spots. Neither do Robin Williams, Bob Saget, Eddie yeah, Murphy. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of, of yeah, that's movies. true. That's I mean, fair. That's fair. It's been kind of lost to time, but like Buddy Hackett's stand up, like, oof. yeah. <laughs> like I, I saw Buddy Hackett when I was a kid. And, oh, really? And that is not an adorable seal. I'll tell you that. <laughs> like it's raunchy. Like, so like, yeah, the comedy doesn't matter for actors that yeah. you know, comedians are going to be actors. But I, I get that it, they don't it's not like the stories necessarily necessitate him. It's just that he's such a great comedian that we know and love. And I missed I'd missed him like you did. And I'm just like, oh, I kind of wanted to see more of George Carlin <laughs> just because he's so great. But anyway, but yeah, I mean, he sets them on their way. And uh, the the gist of it is, is that like like Joe said, if they if they don't get an A or an A plus on their a history plus. exam, like, well, that's, that's intense. So they they're going to flunk <laughs> like they cannot pass without an A plus and they don't know anything about history. And you get the great scene. I mean, we talked about the clever writing, but in the in the history class where we learn about them failing. Um, there's like they're asking them about different things like they're asking who is Joan of Arc and he says Noah's wife and <laughs> and he says he asked Ted to talk about things and he says that Socrates he pronounces it so crazy so great <laughs> and there are so many lines that are clever and again it's that writing for characters that aren't the smartest or the most educated but the jokes are clever and they land they're coming fast and furious and it's such a funny well-written movie i i absolutely adore this first one i just watched it uh maybe a month ago or less than that with katie for the first time oh and then i watched it again uh which i wasn't paying as close of attention because i just watched it but i watched it again here just a couple days ago and it's like it's one that i didn't find it on dvd on rewatch like you know play it on a loop but now i I think i saw this in theaters i think that i did yeah, I kind of feel like I don't know why I didn't though. Like it's such a good movie. I don't know why I didn't have. Well, it what year were you born? Eighty-seven. So it came out in. So you were two. You were two when it came out. Yeah, that's why you didn't see it in theaters. <laughs> that's why you didn't see it in theaters. Well, right, but I've owned the DVDs since the two thousands. I'm just. I mean, it's not like I couldn't have had it on VHS. Like you know, I. I had. I had. Oh, Robocop we thought you were VHS too. We thought I'm you were sorry. saying why hadn't you seen it in theaters? Not why yeah. hadn't you seen it? No, Joe brought up theaters. I wasn't talking about theaters. I'm talking about playing it on loop. I, I mean, this is a movie that's right in my wheelhouse with the comedy and the time travel, and it's smart. I love that that type of humor. I think Bill and Ted have issues. Issues uh, in terms of remaining in the pop cultural pantheon because of Wayne and Garth. And, yeah, and, they're very similar. Yeah, they're very similar. 
and I did grow up with Wayne's World and Wayne's World Two. Right, and SNL had the muscle to keep Wayne and Garth around in a way that Bill and Ted didn't, especially because they were made by a studio that was t- on the edge of bankruptcy and, right. and has always kind of struggled. And so, you mean Bill and Ted? The Bill and Ted, yeah, yeah, yeah. Studio, Orion, Orion, yeah, Orion has yeah. always struggled. They came back just in time for the third movie, didn't they? Yeah, and that where <laughs> they just came back last year or something. Where Wayne and Garth had SNL, and so they could always bring them. You know, they could always bring them back uh, in one capacity or another if they wanted to. Whether it was on an SNL reunion show or if Mike Myers or Dana Carvey guest hosts uh, an mm-hmm. episode of SNL, and they'll bring them back. Like so, there's, there's. They just stayed around, and they do all those retrospective shows with SNL. So right. it's just a way that they can stay around in a in a way that Bill and Ted honestly couldn't. And it's interesting to see the the uh, the creation of those characters because you know I think the first with the I think Bill and Ted opened in like February of eighty nine, and I think the first Wayne and Garth sketch was in February of eighty nine. Is that right? Yeah. Do you think that Wayne and Garth lifted any of their dynamic from Bill and Ted, being that Bill and Ted technically came out first? It was the same weekend. SNL was the weekend of the Friday night Bill and Ted release. Um, you know, I don't know if they would have seen it. Maybe there was an industry like a screen. No, you could have. I mean, you got to think about it. They, I mean, sure, those those skits are written like the Sunday or the Monday prior so they say had trailers and stuff i'm just saying like i wonder i'm not saying they totally stole i'm not trying to say like mike myers and dana carvey stole the characters but i mean (laughs) it's the time period that's a movie coming out they're seeing trailers excellent party you know i I don't think they did i i think i think these two things happen to develop organically on parallel tracks and wow and uh because one garth or not garth but wayne as a character had existed since 1987. So, uh, um, so he did. Yeah. So Mike Myers created created Wayne for Canadian television and had been uh. doing him since 1987. There was a, a thing called Wayne's Power Minute. I think it's called. If you go, it's on YouTube. If you want to go look huh. at it. But so there's footage of him and doing Wayne in 87. So the only okay. real addition is that they added Garth because he needed someone to play off right. of. But that's the dynamic is more I'm thinking. I didn't yeah. I didn't say that's I mean they didn't steal the characters and I'm not insinuating they did. I'm saying that dynamic of the two of them, Bill and Ted is coming out. I wonder if Wayne and Garth is a response to that movie coming out at the same time. It just seems so strange that they're very We've seen that, be- we've seen that before though, right? Like where two things kind of come out within like 6 months of each other. Yeah. And they just happen to be two little brain nuggets that yeah yeah i you mean kind of happen at the same time ants and bugs life or yeah uh, right 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 armageddon and whatever that other deep impact there we go and uh <laughs> i always think that's was it the but the, was but the, those are the pierce brosnan volcano movie you're right dante's dante's peak and volcano, volcano. <laughs> right so but I those mean, are two studios trying to get the competing hot topic out there or whatever i just mean that's interesting that we know that snl they crunch all night like i mean they SNL skits, they all stay there and they like write all night the the day before they go on air or the day before they rehearse or whatever. So like there's a very small window and I'm just thinking people are trying to pitch their their stories and you know pitch their ideas for the show to Lauren and they're developing these and Mike Myers has the character of Wayne already and and he's seeing trailers for Bill and Ted and it's like Wayne and Garth, you know, I I don't know. I'm, I could see it being a situation of 
Mike Myers has Wayne as a character in his back pocket. He sees the commercials for Bill and Ted, and he's right. like, "Ah, oh, crap!" Like this <laughs> yeah, is right, right. This is very similar to a character that I created, and I want to push it out there as quickly as possible so people know that I didn't steal it. You know, yeah. and and so here's another little interesting wrinkle to add mm-hmm. to this: who came first? Question, right? Yeah. So Ooh, I like I all my stuff's wrinkly right now, so it's fine. <laughs> So, uh, um, so you, so we now know that Wayne pre-existed uh, the release of Bill and Ted, right? He existed in 1987. So, he, Bill and Ted was filmed in 1987 and <laughs> shot and sat on the shelf for two years before it finally ah, got released. So, well, there you go. who, who, how, how do you disentangle <laughs> who came first at this point? You know what That's I mean? That's really interesting. But anyway, so, so they're set off on, uh, they know that they have to, to, ace this history uh presentation they have to give a presentation about all these historical figures and they're at the circle k which is another one of my favorite lines <laughs> once rufus shows up and they're asking people about history questions and it's just like they're they have no idea what to they do ask the gal he's like how long did genghis khan rule china and she's like i don't know like, yeah work at circle k <laughs> i have no idea and he shows up rufus shows up in the the phone booth Yep. And and he explains to them that they need that he's there to help them. Right. And they're going to they're going to change the world. The wild stallions with a Y uh, is going to change two the wise. world. Two Ys. Yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so they go to France and they get to see the beginning of uh, the f- Napoleon and his reign across France. And uh, Napoleon accidentally. Uh, gets sucked into the time loop and has to, and comes back to 1989 with Bill and Ted. And then they have to figure it, it's almost like Avengers Endgame saw this premise and they're like, no, you just got to put them back. If we just put them back right where they go, we'll be okay. <laughs> Here's the problem is much like any time travel movie, you're uh, Napoleon and Genghis Khan and Joan of all these characters are going to remember that they were in the future. Sure. So they're going to know. Like but, they're gonna yeah, I know everything. <laughs> this is a great. This is a really great time to interject here. With none of this stuff matters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and the, the the premise of time travel is a ridiculous concept. And, and this, this is a one, ridiculous. This, this one is movie. just like no. We just picked him up at a phone booth and then we put him back at the end. It's but fine. that's what's so great. I love it when a movie knows what it is, and it can be silly and it can be totally preposterous, and you don't have to think about it. Right. It's movies today and i think i mean there's always been movies that you have to think hard about obviously but it seems like today more there are more serious movies more movies that are really complex and there are twists and loops and you know Shyamalan and nolan and all these movies that you have to really think about and so to get a movie like bill and ted and then the sequels to where you can just watch it and it's silly and they time travel and it doesn't make sense and you just you love not having to worry about it you know it doesn't have to make sense you know, like we say, like we talk about it all the time with like Looper, where they're like, if I tried to explain it to you, your head would explode. Well, because ultimately time you, travel. you can't explain it, right? Like, no, you can't. It's it, impossible. Any time travel movie is going to create ridiculous paradoxes, even if it has its own rules and follows them. By virtue of definition, you're going to create paradoxes. So 
there's well, just it it depends. There's two theories, right? So right, but the... e- each each theory like is gonna is creates its own paradoxes, though that eventually you're gonna stumble over. So, but you have smart time travel movies, absolutely, and you have. Uh, I don't want to say Back to the Future is not smart, but you also can forgive Back to the Future because it's fun and zany right. and sci-fi and whimsical and it's all that. It's not there to really talk to you about time travel. Yeah, basically, no. there's Primer and then there's. <laughs> Back to the Future, Bill and Ted, fun movies. Looper's even more serious than right. Bill oh, and yeah. Ted. So I love that this movie, they go back and they do this stuff and they're going to put most of the people back and you don't have to think about the consequences of what you've done because in theory, with this new knowledge, you're right, Joe, Like if we were really thinking about this, they would completely screw up the past because they would know things, <laughs> do things differently, they would change the whole, you know, but we don't worry about that in Bill and Ted. When Abraham Lincoln jumps... When he's in like the theater background and somebody pops off like the picture, and he like startles, yeah. and I was like, "Man, that's a that's a joke that I didn't notice until just now." Like totally. that's a hilarious joke. Yeah. The other the other running gag that the fact that they continue it into the third one is amazing is uh, the stepmom. Yeah. Oh sure. That's it's yeah. a I love it. Like yeah. that's such a when he's just like remember when you tried to ask her to the prom? Shut up, Ted. <laughs> like the fact that they bring her the same woman, the same character, and bring her back for part three is insane and amazing. I loved it. It is. So back to France. I'll tell you the the part in this movie on my my first rewatch since you know that I watched it on DVD. The part that made me realize I didn't have to think too hard about this movie <laughs> is when they were in the the chateau in France and and they're uh, they're trying to hide or or whatever they're trying to do and they put on the suits of armor and they walk around like as soon as they were <laughs> like oh. I know what to do, and they cut to it, and they're in suits of armor. I thought to myself, you know how long it would take them and <laughs> yeah. to put on suits of armor? And you know well, how loud it would be and all this? But the fact that they just did a jump cut to them in <laughs> full suits of armor, I'm like, oh, right. okay, this movie doesn't... Well, also, they, they move like the Tin Man when they're fighting each other, yeah. right? Like, they just can't move, and then all, as soon as Ted falls down the steps and, the, and Bill thinks he's dead, yeah, like... Bill is sprinting down the steps with no problem sure. whatsoever like, in that oh, suit. Oh, this is heavy, but they're <laughs> clearly not wearing armor that's heavy. Like, I mean, in the movie, maybe it's supposed to be, but when you see it, it's like half armor. It's, right. it's just a very costumey type. So, it's hilarious. So as soon as I saw that, I reminded myself, because I hadn't seen it in a while, I'm like, okay, that's what type of movie is this. You're there to have fun. You're there to check your brain. You're there to party and say excellent and be buddies and have a, a, this excellent adventure and you're not there to pick it apart you're not you know and it's really nice especially as a critic to be able to sit back and just enjoy something like that right no it, it, and that's the thing is like the, mm-hmm. i i think you are you are absolutely correct is that time travel movies with the exception of palm springs which is kind of a time travel movie sort sure. of yeah i mean it's uh, a loop, they just yeah. take themselves so seriously like you just forget that time travel movies used to be fun well maybe mm-hmm. that's a time machine that wasn't fun but <laughs> yeah and I'm that's back the, to the first one. That's literally know, right? the first time travel story. Anyway. I love, I love the time machine. Time machine is like, a great movie. Both. Well, of them. I, I don't even mind the second, the remake, but I think I love that first one. Oh, I love the remake. I, I love the first one. I love the remake. I love the book. Like that. I'm. I've said it before. That's why when we reviewed Project Almanac way, oh, way back in the first hundred Talk episodes, about taking themselves too seriously. Yeah. But but I enjoyed it to a point. Like I enjoyed it more than you guys, even though I didn't think it was a great movie. But I've always said time travel sign me up anything time travel because the time machine is one of my favorite movies what about superman flying around the earth and turning it backwards 
Absolutely not. <laughs> but uh, I that's love, where I draw the line. <laughs> I find it fascinating, like how this movie takes this fantasy sci-fi premise, and it's it's just a it's just a delivery device for getting you, Bill and Ted, to be goofy, right? And yeah. I I think it's really funny considering who uh, Chris. Matheson's father is. Do you do you know who his father is? No, no. I never noticed. His father is Richard Matheson. So oh, he, so yeah, like legendary, uh, really, yeah, legendary author Richard Matheson is his father. So like, his, for people that don't know, that. his his father wrote the like sixteen episodes of the Twilight Zone. He wrote Nightmare yeah. at Twenty Thousand Feet. That episode he wrote the the story that real steel was based on he wrote stir of echoes he wrote the book that somewhere in time was based on he wrote what dreams may come he wrote the shrinking man what was the movie with christopher reeve and jane austen that's isn't that somewhere in time yeah that's somewhere in time and yeah okay what dreams may come was the robin williams movie yeah he wrote uh a short the short story that was turned into the Steven Spielberg TV movie Duel he wrote good lord he wrote I am legend uh that's the I, big one i think yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know him for is I am legend which he, i love all those movies yeah he wrote the the story button button about which is the turn in the movie the box where it's like you get a button and it'll kill somebody if you hit it but you get a million dollars blah blah like i mean so it's it's fascinating like it almost is a, like it's it almost feels like uh, an act of rebellion to like I'm going to work <laughs> in the genre that you work in, but I'm also not going to take it seriously in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> uh, so, so they're basically just bouncing the the main the part of the project is they have to think about what these famous historical characters would think of San Dimas. Uh, so, what Bill and Ted decide to do is they just go. And get these famous people, right? Like, they go to the Wild West and get Billy the Kid, who is an actor who they're just like, can we get Bon Jovi? And they're like, no. Can we get a guy that looks like Bon Jovi, though? They're like, absolutely. But isn't it uh, interesting that these historical figures are who you picture of as the real exa- people? Yes. Bill and Ted did the casting so well <laughs> to where they resemble what you've seen in the history books and in some of the movies and things. Like, the casting in this movie in particular is done so well where it just works and i like billy the kid that's billy how I, the, I think billy of bon jovi when i think of billy the kid i don't know why because of I young guns that's why that's what it is right yeah. <laughs> okay that's what i thought that it was but i didn't want to sound stupid although as technically any other time on this podcast technically he's young guns too but yes. oh that's right that's right yeah but this guy looks very similar <laughs> to bon jovi and the guy i was like oh they got not bruce dern to play socrates yeah like yeah. that guy looks just like a you know B level Bruce Dern. Uh, the the fact that he's giving the uh, the monologue that's basically going to turn into Days of Our Lives, which is another great joke, like hilarious joke. They say um, all we are is dust Dustin. in the wind, which is another great quote. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then he starts quoting like like that's again the zany like the goofy nature of this movie is that Socrates of all people is then trying to be <laughs> prolific and then even in Greek I you know he's saying it in, and I think there's subtitles right yeah yeah and translate and he's saying like sands through the hourglass so are the days. <laughs> of our lives you know one of the things i really like about this movie for it not taking its time travel seriously i love the fact that they didn't have these people that they picked up speak english 
that yeah correct you know that it would have been a really easy to just have them speak english with accents and and never address it and i i, I always like the fact that like they they don't speak the same language except for the princesses which mm-hmm. they pick up in middle medieval england although that version of english would be so far removed from <laughs> yeah, what we right, speak right. they would did you rec- did you recognize the one princess no no she's the girl that uh from better off dead she's the girl that um Bath? John Cusack, John Cusack is after the, the the French girl, yeah. Oh, the French girl, not the girl yeah, that yeah. breaks up. No, with no, the the, okay. the French the, the exchange student. Okay, is the same, it's the same gal. Gotcha. But they don't bring her back. For... They, they're never played by the same actresses. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> they're always recast. <laughs> right. But yeah, so they and Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln obviously speaks English. Right. <laughs> I love that. Although scene. they like, hardly right. have him talk. I know. He's like, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna need that hat and fake beard. But he's like, no, it's mine. Yes, <laughs> run away. But yeah, so they get uh, Beethoven. No, Bach. Beethoven. Beethoven. Beethoven and Joan of Arc and Genghis Khan and uh, Sigmund Freud. So they've got all of these, just a hodgepodge of random historical. It's all people. the people around the chalkboard. In the yes, beginning yeah, of the movie. Which you know, to the directors and writers' credit, it's like oh, it's a little foreshadowing. That, that's well, fine. they were they were learning about all these yeah. historical figures right. in class. Right. And that's, that's what the class is about. On. Yeah, yeah. So they went back and they got them. <laughs> the, it's crazy because I I feel like there's more to this plot of the first one than it really is. Like it's just them going from time to time. They uh, have to like the idea that if you just think about something in the present, and you're like, no, I'll just put them behind the sign, and then they're there. Like the most ridiculous aspect of time travel. That's my favorite part of the whole movie. That it's it's fantastic. That just just solution of like, oh, okay, well, in the future, I'm just going to put the keys right there. Like that's and, and they're then, like, oh, yeah, they are. That I just that is. I was thinking about it, especially in the second one, and then they end up being smarter than I would have given them credit for. Um, not to jump ahead, but. The, it's just Deus Ex Machina. It's crazy. They're like, yeah, how are we going to get it. them out of this? And it's like time time travel in general is a huge Deus Ex Machina. When you can time travel in theory, because the rules are so loose and there's so many interpretations, you can do whatever you want. And I love that they get them into a corner and they're like, oh, we'll just do this later. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then there's such the keys. A, it's so cheap, but it's also in this movie. It's funny and endearing. Like, you know, yeah. we would we'd be so mad at a movie for doing that. If oh, it yeah. In, in a movie so that was taking time travel seriously, we would be enraged. But <laughs> would, it would be so cheap. We'd be calling it a terrible movie. Yeah. yeah. But in this movie, because it's not supposed to be. To, and and beca- because they're these kind of like. Like I hate, I even hesitate to call them dumb. Like because you you do see moments where they're really smart, but like, but by and large, you know they're they're not the smartest guys in the world. And so when they have these moments like this, and you're just like, it's so illogical that in this situation (laughs) it makes perfect sense. And you're like, of course that's the solution they would land on. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't even. Yeah, I'm I'm hesitant to call them dumb as much as they're just goofy yeah like they're just kind of like meh whatever dude let's play a guitar and try to get our way through school they're not dumb they're just slackers and, yeah, they are you, just slackers. you yeah. see little moments where like they actually are, you see them be pretty smart and then there's like a throwaway throwaway gag where napoleon uh when he he's doing that water slide presentation at the end of the movie and it's yeah got all this, yeah he's diagramming the battle of waterloo which, oh which that's he, hilarious which he will lose Right. And, 
And Ted looks up at it and says, I don't think it's going to work. And, <laughs> yeah. and Ted doesn't and he know. he just smashes it. You, we know that Ted is failing history, so Ted does not know the, <laughs> the battlefield logistics for the Battle of Waterloo, but he looked at it and instantly went like, it's not going to work. So, I mean, right. he's not... You know, and I know it's also just a silly joke, but it does say something to his character that like maybe he's not as dumb as he as as he comes off sometimes. I think know? it's probably supposed to be just for a one off joke, but I get what you're saying yeah. to read into it a little deeper. But they could have given so, that line to any other character in the movie. They, I will say Ted is if there was a dumber one, Ted is the one that gives the most dumb answers. You know, Ted, like Ted, Ted is, is the shaggy of this duo. Yeah, like if, like, if, if this is Scooby Doo, Ted is Shaggy, where he has moments of brilliance, but he doesn't do it like he's not doing it on purpose. He's right. kind of in, he's yeah, lucks into it. As silly as both of them are, Ted is the one that you're just like, yeah, you may not <laughs> be all there. Which is also something that Wayne and Garth would do, right? Like they'd have these moments where they would uh, where where they all of a sudden say something incredibly smart and 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 erudite and. You're just like, Ooh, where did word. that come good from? Word. And then they'd go right back into being <laughs> these kind of faux stoners. Right. They get all the characters. I mean, the the only conflict really is just trying to round all the characters up. And every time they go somewhere, it's like they get in danger. But then the other characters who they've rounded up have will help them. Right. And they all become right. friends. and They're all on the same team. Like you again, you just totally ignore the fact that these guys have been basically kidnapped <laughs> and now they're traveling through time, but they become such quick, close friends. But that's what you love. Like when, um, when Socrates and Billy, the kid rescue, I Bill need a Socrates, Billy, the kid movie, like <laughs> right. buddy cop movie. But, but the fact that the two of them rescue Bill and Ted from being beheaded in medieval times, because they think they're witches, from you know do, from their time travel like from the future and all that uh you know like when they pull the robes off they're about to execute them and it's like <laughs> such an awesome moment and you're like they just kidnapped them in the previous scene but now they're friends well in all together. fairness they don't kidnap billy the kid billy the kid like well they say them, billy the kid sure but they do but you get what i'm saying kidnap socrates also if you want to get out of there they're your only hope that's true so even <laughs> if you don't like them i mean if we really want to drill down on the logic of bill and ted like it you know that if yeah if you if if socrates and and billy the kid want to get out of medieval england they they're going to need those two Right. Oh my god, one of my other favorite lines is when they get out of the phone booth with all the people and they start renaming them. <laughs> yeah. That's Paul yeah. Socrates and that's oh, Ben oh, Ben that's Bob. That's Bob Genghis Khan. <laughs> yeah. Like see that's the other thing is like Bill gives them smarter names. Bill covers up the part that you would actually need to cover up and then Ted just adds something to the full name. <laughs> Again, cuz that's how he's written. And they're both endearing, lovable, charming, great-hearted, kind-spirited people. It's not a knock on either of them, but Ted is the the dumb one if you're going to pick one of them. And Can we act as this is a prequel to John Wick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Like he ends up going to military school. Not based on be- the third Bill and Ted. <laughs> I know, it's true. <laughs> well, um, alternate timelines, right? Like then there's there a timeline yeah, where exactly. he gets a B on the history final. And, and he has to go into he the He has thing. to go to military school. <laughs> and then the that's why that, the, uh, the escape from New York, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, Big Trouble in Little, uh, Little China comic is great because 
Jack Burton and Snake Plissken are the same uh, the same person, just yeah, different oh, timelines. Wow. That's hilarious <laughs> to think of Ted had to go to military school and become John Wick. <laughs> so, but yeah, I love that. I mean, I I didn't we didn't say it earlier, but the the there are strange things afoot at the Circle K. I think that line is brilliant. I, yeah, it's because it's so out of place. It's so strange for for Ted to say something like that, like to speak well, and I, that way. I feel like that's another <laughs> allusion to the fact that maybe he's not as dumb as you think. Cause I'm trying to think, but he's got other, they have these other moments where they speak in this kind of ornate flowery language that you wouldn't expect. And it just pops up every once in a while. Strange things are afoot of the circle. K. It's <laughs> a great line. The, that's a fantastic. Line. Yeah. That, but, it's and, a, I mean, on paper that line. I love it. It's such a good yeah. line. And it was funny watching it. Cause I watched all three of these with, with my kids and they 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 had a great time they loved them and yeah. it was funny because like there's a circle k by our house and so yeah. half there's the time by when, school too half the time when i drive by it i'm like strange things are afoot <laughs> and they were like when watching what? this movie they were finally they were like oh that's why you say that all the time <laughs> there's a there's a there's a meaning to my madness every yes. once in a while yes but yeah so i mean th- that's the premise of the movie is they they apparently they had their presentation all set and ready to go because they come out with lasers and smoke and time, time travel. travel. All they had to do was decide. They set it up, remember? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I'm like, <laughs> uh, we'll do that later. Uh, and they get in. I do one of my the, the one of the gags I've always remembered is uh, the teacher who, again, the only character who's a dick in this movie is Ted's dad. Mm-hmm. Like even the teacher, the teacher is not mean. He wants them. He to wants. Succeed, he but wants he them to succeed. Them the grade. But he's like, I can't. Let, I can't pass you. And then so he, they have to be there at 745 and he writes the F like on the paper. And then after the report, he just puts like a line. Yeah. And makes it an A. The same yeah. way you'd fake a grade. Can I tell you, <laughs> I've done that because of this movie. And it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. No. Because <laughs> nobody makes an A with a flat it. top. <laughs> I know. Right. But you got to like be really, if you could just like curve it a little bit. It's, maybe a, you can, it's, you an, over, it's an overreach. If you get an F, you don't make it an A, you make it a B. Say it, yeah. 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 I shoot. I shot for the stars. Yeah, it's an I, overreach, man. The, an F to a B, super F to easy. A B, yeah. Plus, Are you kidding me? My plus, parents would be even excited if they were just like, "Well, we got to see." Plus, in enough. all honesty, they're going to question you getting a B <laughs> a lot less than they're going to question you getting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're like, "Oh, let's be honest." Like, yeah. So it's great. The presentation is wonderful. Like they come great. up with this amazing presentation right down to the wire when they're about to send everyone home early. But yeah, the lights, like you said, the music, the smoke. They come out and it's. A, the again the brilliant writing here with each of the segments each of the historians comes out and they're doing like a segment freud analysis and uh, lincoln <laughs> about his dad yeah lincoln comes out there billy the kid shoots something which obviously in modern eyes you're just like oh <laughs> gun I, in a high school I thought the, the fact they're all the kids are like oh this is dumb and then billy the kid starts shooting up at the light fixtures with his real gun <laughs> and they're all like yeah you know like it's so weird but but each one of them has them has their own little segment and they do this amazing presentation. Yeah. And it's it's a wonder. Like, I'll tell you what. Talk about movies sticking the landing. All three of these movies they do. know how to stick the landing. That they do. I am For sure. blown away by that. And obviously, we'll get to them as we go on. But, but yeah, the endings of these movies make you feel so good and have such a good time and are fun and are heartfelt where you're just like... It doesn't even matter any of the shortcomings before them. And not so much in this movie. But, like, with the other ones... You you forget about the shortcomings by the time you get to the endings because you're just like I feel so good. Yeah, they're just <laughs> you fun. Know? Like they're, you, they yeah. they don't take themselves too seriously. 
you are engaged with everybody in the movie. Mm-hmm. Bill and, T- and Bill and Ted, I think I'm has I don't know, man. Like I do kind of think that they are timeless characters. I think those characters will stay along. will stay around forever. I, yeah. I, you know, like I just, they're definitely uh, an iconic duo of all the, the iconic duos. They're up there. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Right. Like the, and like I said, in the 80s, they milked those two. And obviously in the cartoon, they were not voiced by Keanu Reeves and uh, Alex Winter. But they did have a Saturday morning cartoon. Granted. George Carlin did. Ev- did he? He came yeah, back George, from the cartoon? George yeah, they Carlin got all Rufus. four. So the Saturday morning cartoon ran for uh, two seasons. So the first season, uh, they brought back all of the voices. Uh, the main Including people. Keanu Reeves and they Alex got, Winter? Yes, they got Keanu Reeves oh. and got Alex Winter. And they, and they got George Carlin do the voices. They made, I think... Thing, thirteen, sixteen of those, something like that, and then, uh, and then, uh, and then it it switched production houses, and it went from Hanna Barbera to to DIC, yeah, um, Deke, Deke, sure, let's call it Deke. Why would we call it? Deke? That's what they said. That's yeah. how I remember. It. And, right, um, at the beginning of the cartoon, were, did they do the turtles too? They were in lots of cartoons that I watched. I can't remember. DIC did a lot of cartoons. Yeah, they did yeah. A lot. and it was normally a sign of it's going to be not good. So, oh, well, they when, were to me <laughs> when it's when it switched production houses, then they switch voices. And so oh, okay. they made a very, very, very one, two, three, four, five, very short lived <laughs> live action TV show. Oh, really? Yes. Um, called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And when they made that live action show, then they used those actors to. To do the voices, so Keanu Reeves oh. and Alex Winter and George Carlin went away, and they were replaced by two actors so inconsequential that their <laughs> names aren't even clickable on <laughs> Wikipedia. Oh, um, poor guys! Sorry, guys. Uh, I think they had a video game too. Yeah, there, I think there was a, a video oh, game. Oh, sure, everything and, in the eighties and nineties had a yeah. video. Yeah, game. and That's then the George just... Carlin character was replaced by a stand-up comedian named Rick Overton, who. Uh, if you ever look at his IMDb, it's pretty fascinating because he's not a guy that you'll recognize, but he's a comedian who comedians love. So he mm. pops up in a lot of oh. great, great movies. Like he plays, like I think he plays one of the, like the Rednecks in Groundhog's Day, and I mean he just does a lot of stuff, but he's never actually really kind of become like a quote unquote name. But uh, but he plays the he plays Rufus. And and then that lasted for like a season, and and then the cartoon was done. So there's way more than you ever wanted to know about the Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah. Cartoon. So at the end of the first movie, they do their presentation. They get the A that they need. So Ted is saved from military school. The two princesses become band members of Wild Stallions. Well, yeah. J- Rufus snatches them from their timeline and then brings them the, to the 20th century. And there's like, here you go, boys. Yeah. Congratulations on that A. Here's like your talk new about screwing up the timeline. <laughs> Yeah, a little he bit. takes them like everyone else goes back and forget about the knowledge they have from the future. But he removes two people that maybe had <laughs> say, some place. Hom- in- Homer squished a mosquito in the prehistoric era and it changed everything. Right. Lord knows what it's like plucking two human beings out of time. Right. So but again, we don't think about that. And no, we they, don't. so they become part of Wild Stallions and uh, they start jamming at the end. And we remember they're terrible. They're musicians. awful. <laughs> yeah, there's and that's that's the thing I love is that they're not good. And they know they're not good, but they don't care. And we yeah. don't care. Like, it's not like they miraculously become these amazing uh, rock gods. They're just like, yeah, we suck. We're yeah. not good at this. 
But um, at the end, when they're jamming, George Carlin turns to the camera and breaks the fourth <laughs> wall and says, they do get better. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Because remember, the premise is they're supposed to save the world with their music. Right. Yeah, it's interesting, is especially in the second one, we'll set up the retconning that they do in the third one. Because, yes. you know, just clearly they had a very, there was a vision, and they kind of deviate that path in the next one. Big time. Uh, yeah, so then we jump to 1991, and Bill and Ted's bogus journey is often, and this, like I said, this is the most wackadoo uh movie i can't even this is a weird movie this is a weird movie this is a very like i don't want to call it experimental but it kind of is there are some things that feel kind of experimental but is as indie as the first one was it still was way more mainstream than the stuff they do in this one this yeah. one you're just like whoa i mean talk about the the special effects and all the i mean I think this movie started off very strong and then it kind of got muddied and I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, but you can tell right away they've got this huge budget and when they go to the future, they set up the Bill and Ted Institute or whatever, the Bill and Ted University, and you've got this huge futuristic setting. Everyone's in the futuristic costumes. You've got statues. You're like, wow, they're really going for it with this movie. And I loved the the art direction. I mean, it's totally 90s future. You yeah, know? Right, it's, right. The, it's the future everybody <laughs> in the 90s envisioned, so it's that style. But it's still very endearing, very creative, and they had a budget. Like, they, they went for it. And so I really loved how it started off and then i feel like once they get once they go on this this event once they go on this journey they have to i feel like it kind of gets muddied but they still have a lot of um miniatures and special effects which are very dated now but at the time like early 90s when they were see when they go to hell like i still love that the way that's set up like the way they do the animation for for hell and everything i was like yeah this is this is what I remember. Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't. It, sure. Obviously, if this is done in 2020. That's well, we see it's yeah. all CG. Right. But it, back then it was like a claymation almost. And I loved it. Well, it, they did. It was a lot of computer effects. It was if it were practical, it, if it if it were stop motion, it would have been way better. This was computer for most okay. of it so like think about the uh them possessing the dad and like oh those, sure those sure, effects sure. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the okay. stuff they were doing with computers you could tell they were like we've got this huge budget computers are big like you know there's there's all this stuff happening like we've got all these effects that no one's ever seen before it's like it's like getting a new um it's like getting a new video editing software that comes <laughs> with your you can do with comes it. with your apple computer and you're like oh <laughs> i can do the the wipe left in the the, the, <laughs> the crisscross checkerboards transition and the like they had all these toys to play with and again i'm not knocking them it was a different time but you could tell they had this toolbox now and they're like we can use computers we'll we'll like we'll have people walk through them and they'll stretch and squish <laughs> and like you know they pulled out all the stops for the time and did every effect they could think of but now you look back at it and you're like yep 90s <laughs> yeah they went for it they were doing their thing so this one is a little bit different where they uh are just now they're just slackers like i assume they're not they've graduated high school they're still trying to make it uh in it's the... five years later i believe okay so they're living on their own because they mentioned something about five years in the movie i didn't take notes oh, on did it, they? but i remember them saying like we've been doing something for five years uh they're living on their own but they're still they're not working they're still a very bad band they're aspiring musicians <laughs> sure they are <laughs> um and they get entered into battle of the bands by pam greer 
of all people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> and they realized that they, they have to win. Like they're much like their backs were against the wall with the history project. If they don't win battle of the bands again, uh, Ted's dad's going to ship him off to Alaskan military school. Now in this movie, uh, Bill's mom or stepmom <laughs> has left Bill's dad and has married Ted. Ted's dad, which is another great joke when you see <laughs> her with with Ted's dad, and Bill's like, "Hey, Missy, oh, I mean, mom," and then she's making out with Ted's dad, and you're like, "What?" <laughs> and then he's like, "I can't believe that your <laughs> that your mom divorced your or Missy divorced your dad and then married my dad," <laughs> which is great the way they keep setting like they keep that it's, running joke going. The thing I forgot about the last one is that they kick Bill out of his room to like screw around in their in, oh, right. in, in oh, the yeah. room and i was like oh well scumbag oh, they give him yeah. money or whatever like yeah, he's like why don't you get out of here and i was yeah. like why go to your room that's don't so gross no yeah. way that's it's, gross right yeah no it's gross <laughs> but so the but the premise of this one so where i think where i think they really lost the mainstream audience is they didn't time travel except for like bill and ted don't really time travel in this one where the first one is on this the whole excellent adventure is them going through time, right? That's where all the jokes come. That's where all the great characters come through history. And this one, it's set or it's kicked off in the future where the villain wants to like, I really like the premise. Don't get me wrong. I love the setup that yes, if Bill and Ted are these heroes and you have a villain, what's the villain go on to do once he has time travel, let's stop Bill and Ted from ever becoming the heroes and change civilization. I so, love that he's a gym teacher. Well, yeah. And that's the joke at the very that's end hilarious. of the movie. But <laughs> Rufus is one of his pupils. They set it up like <laughs> they set it up like this villain. Uh, Chuck Denomalous is this, this, evil villain and he taught Do you know Rufus. who he is kevin who is he lethal weapon 2 diplomatic immunity <laughs> this guy yeah. has a great voice oh yeah yeah um, very much so So, but the way they set it up where he's like he's, you know like rufus my pupil and and he says like you're my teacher they they act like you're supposed to think that chuck denomalous taught rufus everything he knows about time travel <laughs> and all this advanced stuff and spoilers but jumping ahead it's like yeah he was rufus's gym teacher <laughs> uh so what a great gag yeah so and i love that they do it's a very end reveal but they he wants to take out Bill and Ted. So he's created robot versions of each of them and they're going all out again with the special effects. And I love the practical stuff where man, when they pull the faces off, I was like, yeah, that would freak kids out. I could see where that would freak kids out big time. That's a gag like the uh, Beetlejuice gag. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Right. You know, and this is in the same time period around like, you know, Pee-wee's big adventure. Well, no, what year was Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice was 88. Okay. But Pee-wee's big adventure had the scares with the large Marge. Sure, large Marge. When you look at the art direction and the creepiness of this movie, sure, reminds me a lot of Burton. A lot of Burton influence there. So, um, anyway, so the, the teacher wants to take the, wants to kill them so he can be, you know, so he can take over society. So you've got the great robot practical effects. I think when they pull their faces off, I think the masks... The masks are excellent. The way they oh, look yeah. like their faces, and it's all practical. So they 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 show them like putting their hands. The actors put their hands in the mouths, and then they cut, and you see them 
taking the masks that look just like them over the robot props and then they put them back on and they cut to them the real actors putting their hands out of their mouth so you know it's a really seamless transition practical effect wise and uh, they do cool stuff there and basically these two robots are going to go kill Bill and Ted and take their place and then destroy their lives yeah I think the big problem with this movie is the title, to be perfectly honest. I think this, so the, they originally wanted to call this movie Bill and Ted Go to Hell. Mm-hmm. That would have made more sense. And I think it would have also given the audience a better idea of what they were in for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they were just worried, it sounds crazy now, but worried about having hell in the title back then. Sure, um, sure. And it is still a PG movie, right? Like, um, And so... Um, which is interesting because PG-13 exists at this point, but this movie still gets a PG, which also says a lot about where, the, you know, the 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 slur that we talked about, where that w- was in people's minds at the time. It didn't even elevate this movie to a PG-13. <laughs> yeah, you still get a PG rating. Yeah. But, this um, movie with the themes would be PG-13 today. With absolutely. the horror stuff, there's no way yeah. this would be PG. Which is, cr- but which, like I said, which when you see a PG movie before the invention of PG-13 and you're like it's it's easy to go oh that would be a PG-13 movie today but this movie exists well after the advent of PG-13 and they still didn't think it rated a PG-13 I think it was just too new I I just I don't know I'm, because the thing is the movie doesn't have the sex and the language right. that I think would necessitate a PG-13 Yeah uh, I think because it's scary and as the horror stuff today, once they kind of figured it out, I think it would be. But I think also today they're more apt to give a movie a PG-13 because why not? It doesn't stop anybody from seeing the movie no. and it and it prevents any potential complaints of I saw this thing and it offended me. And then they can at least go, it's got a PG-13 on it. What'd you want? Yeah, we warned you. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a suggestion. The PG-13, yeah. you're right. It lets people know what they're in for, and it's not stopping ticket sales. So I, I agree. Uh, but this one, so this one, I think the that's the main detriment, though, is that you've got... It's a really interesting premise. I like it a lot. I like the idea of a villain now, because they've already saved... They've already set their future up to where they become the heroes. They've saved the day and gone back in history and done their thing. But now you have a villain's perspective and trying to stop them. That's really ingenious. But audiences were expecting more time travel adventures from Bill and Ted. Right. And in this one, they're just in the present day. And the only time travel really is them from the future, the robots coming back. And Rufus at the very end uh, is able to throw his guitar on top of the phone booth as it's time traveling and hold on to the cable, the the audio cable and travel <laughs> back. But he ends up being lost in the time circuit supposedly. And that's why you don't see Rufus again until the end of the movie. But um, that's really yeah, the only they, time. They had him for a day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think once you get over the idea that it's not going to be a time travel movie like you remembered the first one, it's it's easier to enjoy. But uh, I really think we should talk a minute about just, to me, the highlight of this movie is the Grim Reaper. I mean, William he, Sadler is the MVP of this movie. He steals the movie and yep. is absolutely great. Sure. I just he the, the the playing of the games when he when they first the, you know, the, the deal is, is they have to uh, to get out of hell. They have to beat death in a game, which is from this for the real film nerds out there. That's from the seventh seal. The correct Ingmar Bergman film. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even the way he talks. I mean, clearly yeah. he there. It's a 
parody, parody of the seventh scene. Yeah. yeah. I don't, don't know how many average people get that. You know what I mean? But uh, Sure, sure. So they play him in Battleship and Bill and Ted win. And then he's just like, he he's confounded. He can't believe that Bill and Ted just beat him in Battleship. And then he's like, uh, two out of three. And they're like, come on, fine. And then they beat him in, uh, what, Twister? Twister? And they, yeah, they always. Twister's the last one. Yeah, Twister's the last one, yeah. And, but they, but they're constantly beating. That's the other, when we talk about how maybe they're not as dumb as they, th- as they show, where they're constantly beating death at all of these. And it's obviously, they're not playing like, you know, sophisticated chess or checkers. Well, they're not thinking games. They're kids' board games. Well, they're also games they would have grown up playing. Right. Right. <laughs> and right. death expects them to pick chess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Battleship. Uh, and so... Death becomes almost enamored with Bill and Ted yeah. in the most adorable way possible, where he's like a lost puppy. Yeah. Where he just wants to, he, he likes these guys now, and he just kind of wants to hang out with them. And he kind of becomes like their sidekick uh, when they, like the scene in heaven, like the, they go to heaven in this movie and they talk to God. Like it's just the most, <laughs> when you say that Bill and Ted deal with death. And they deal with God, and all of a sudden they meet uh, Standard, right? That's what it was called. Station. I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand the station thing. Okay, so they so what? So they go to God, right? And they say, "Look, we need to. We can't beat these robots. We need to. You need to. Can you help us? Give us a plan to. We need an inventor that can help us design something that will beat these things. And so he gives. So God gives them Station. And well, they, well, no, he gives them the, the, the directions on yeah. that little disc, like, record. And then, I guess, uh, somebody says the the greatest scientific mind is down there. Yeah. Right? And, like, in heaven. So they just kind of walk around, and they find these two aliens who are the greatest scientific minds in of in the universe, and they're not from Earth. And Death's like, what do you think? They're from Earth? Like, yeah, like why, would, stupid. <laughs> like, why would you think the greatest scientific minds are human? You have the whole universe to pull from. <laughs> but why does the rock guy in the beginning say station, and they all go station? I don't get the station thing. I thought that, that was totally... It's like just the only word that they say. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's just a joke. Like, it, there's, I don't think there's a... Who's the rock guy that no one... Who's the famous musician rock guy that's in the beginning of the, the movie? The fa- guy from Faith the No More? The guy from yeah. Faith No More. He goes, Station, and they go, Station. Maybe I, they I all think know who Station is. Because they're in the future, right? They already know how this is going to play out, and Station's going to save the day. But yeah, but I mean, that's before there was any problem or anything. He just comes out of the phone booth going, Station. But, well, yeah, but, station. Time yeah, but travel. he's from like, the future. They're in the future. So the whole thing with Station would have already happened in his, time frame, in his timeline. I don't think that's how... I don't think that's how this works. I don't know what else it could be referring to <laughs> because it hadn't happened yet. Oh I, wait, I get wait wait. I guess the Faith No More guy isn't from the future, right? Because the the Bill and Ted from... Institute have imp- have implemented the the way of teaching history is to go back into the past and pick up people from the past, just and like bring they them did to the future. Yeah. So the Faith No More guy wouldn't have known the station thing yet. See? And so when he comes out of the thing and goes, station, I'm like, what the hell is station? And then they kept saying it the whole movie. I'm like, there has to be a through line with station. Now I'm going to have to go look at the Faith No More catalog. Right? It has, to be, <laughs> some, it has station. to be something from Faith No More that they then adopted into these characters because he says it, and with me having no understanding of him or that word, I'm just like... I, I didn't get it, and I was hoping you guys could explain or, it. But. Or maybe, since they bring Faith No More 
from the guy from Faith More to the future that he's the one that created the word station. Yeah, I don't know. I blew your mind. I yeah. just blew it. I blew, blew everybody's mind right there. Yeah, in uh, 1991, he appeared as Sir James Martin, head of faith no more, in the theological center in the future. Martin's only lines in the film were station and what if... So it's like, yeah, I, I would like to... We'll have to research that more. I was thinking you guys maybe just knew it and I was missing something, but... no. Yeah, he says it first, and I don't get how he would know that word, why he would say that word. It's weird. <laughs> well, so either way, we go back to present day, and uh, evil Bill and Ted are just wreaking havoc on good Bill and Ted's life. They've broken up with the uh, the princesses. Who they've who just are proposed completely to. D- that's correct. Who are two completely different actresses. Uh, they are they were celebrating just- their 521st birthday. Correct, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Evil Bill and Ted robots take them out to the cliffs and they push them off and they die. And that's where they end up going out of their bodies and they're wearing like gray paint and gray clothes, which I thought was a pretty clever practical mm-hmm. effect for showing them being dead. And then that's where Death shows up and he does the, you can play me in a game or else you'll be doomed for eternity. And they end up just giving him a wedgie and running away. They, they do them. They pull a Melvin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they come back and I do like that, that Ted, or Bill pulls a worm out of his ear and like, Ted's like, God, I feel like somebody's been pecking on my face. Uh, so they, they come back with, and somehow they've brought station and death back with them. Uh, and they go to like a local hardware store and they give station the station is like these two little weird aliens. Uh, so they go to this hardware store and they get all of their, the, the supplies and then st- station in um, the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Uh, like they get on either side of the parking lot and they run at each other and then they make a big station. <laughs> like they just, it's they, gross. That practical it's super effect gross. is gross, <laughs> but it's like, it, it, he looks like Goro. Like that's the suit that I think of from mortal Kombat. <laughs> like it's the same sound or whatever. Uh, they make fun of stations, butt, which I thought was funny. Uh, and so the, he builds two good robot Bill and Ted's who are just uh, who are obviously not as advanced looking <laughs> as uh, right. bad robot Bill and Ted. They look like uh, Rosie from the Jetsons with the Bill and Ted clothes on like they're, yeah, they're right, like right, robot right. robots. I w- do you notice how much Kevin Smith pulls from Bill and Ted movies? In I his didn't movies? until I didn't notice it until I watched this one. That's what I'm saying. But when you go back, when you well in the first one, when well, I mean, Billy like, the yeah, Tid, when you watch them back to back, when Billy like, the oh, Kid man. goes through the wall, that's yeah, small right. rats. No, no, no. It's it's uh, it's Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted go through the wall. Well, but they're when they're in the Billy the Kid yes, thing, yes. and they crash through the wall into like a woman's dressing room. Right. That's Kev, That's Silent Bob going through into a dressing room. It's not Joy Lauren Adams' boobs, but it's... <laughs> when you think about the performances at the end, that's like Jay and Silent Bob at the end when they... Or hanging out do, in front of the, the Circle K. Yeah, it's like Kevin Smith, because he would have grown up with these movies, right? In oh, yeah. House. It's interesting to see how much inspiration they are on his movies. What year? What year was Slacker? Oh, like ninety or something, eighty, nineties, early. Okay, that time period. Yeah. Yes, Kevin Smith pulled a lot from yeah. uh, Bill and Ted. It's interesting. Which I think is very funny. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so they they get to the Battle of the Bands, and evil Bill and Ted have the uh, the princesses tied up, uh, and they. Good Bill and Ted show back up with their robots and just like, I love that evil Bill and Ted just kind of give up and they're like, yeah, well you got us. And they get blown up. Like the good robots destroy them. 
and just what I think is funny is that they get to the Battle of the Bands and they still suck. Yeah. And they're just like, I got a better idea. So they, uh, I guess we should say the bad guy. Does the bad guy show up before they look like ZZ Top or after? I can't remember. Either way, the bad guy shows back up and uh, they vanquish him as well. And they realize that they still suck. So they jump into a time, the, the phone booth, and they go back in time or to the future, I guess, and learn to play guitar. They come back. And all of a sudden, Bill looks like uh, one of the guys from ZZ Top. Top. And uh, they both have, which I think is a great retcon when we get to it, is they've got little Bill and little Ted. Like, they've got two little It'd be great if one didn't clearly look like a boy. (laughs) Well, I mean, I just feel like they're babies. You know, like, you can... You could swing it. Like, one clearly looks like like it. Be <laughs> see, they should have been baby babies, and oh, one was sure, sure, like sure. older with a head of hair, and you're like, that's a little boy. <laughs> but but it it would have been clever if they could have like nailed it. But in, in theory, the way they did it's interesting for sure. Yeah. But it's 18 months. They said they've been practicing Gone for, 18 for 18 months. months. They have kids, and yeah. they come out, and they I they said 16. I don't know. I thought either it was 18, way, they come but, back and they play yeah. a song, and they win battle of the bands. And that's how, and like the, the, the movie, Rufus. the credits, the, Rufus shows back up as Pam Greer. He unzips. So I was like, well, all right. He unzips the, when she starts unzipping, I was like, well, I've seen plenty of Pam Greer movies and I know where this is going to go. <laughs> uh, but then it's George Carlin. I was like, mm, like right, Rufus is fine. in this movie for what? Maybe seven minutes of screen I time. I think you're being generous with I mean, that. <laughs> it's in the beginning, maybe five minutes and two minutes here. Like that's it. He's just like. Yeah, who did you think? Like, who else would let you in Battles of the Bands? Right, you, you guys suck. Who would put you in this thing? Uh, and, like, the end credits roll with them playing together on the guitar. And that's how this one, that's how it ends. Like, it's, it's just, another I like the montage at the end of, like, everything that happens. Like, just of yeah, yeah. With the band moving forward. and mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like know. the newspaper articles. Like, they put them on Variety and whatever, Rolling Stone and the newspaper articles. Is that, was, and, that, I don't, was that a thing? Like to win, was that ever a thing to like win a battle like that level of a battle? Of the bands was like the the rocket stri- the rocket ship for a band. No, I, I mean I it's right. I didn't think that was school. ever a thing. <laughs> I mean, it's always been a plot device in movies, but I mean, but you have had uh, talent show type TV shows over the years. I mean, you know, like we had American Idol before that. Sure, Star sure. Search. I guess those are like battle of the bands. I guess that's true. Either a form of that. I mean, yeah. even in in the in the the fifties, you had the Arthur Godfrey talent show or whatever, and that's right. like that's where that's what launched Pat Boone. So I mean, you know, it's it, but it wasn't necessarily even winning it. It was more just like you get exposure. So there, I mean, as we've seen with American Idol, right? There's a lot of people that went on to very successful careers that didn't necessarily win. Jennifer I don't think you want to win. Chris Daughtry. Yeah. What's that? I think you don't want to win. Like that's that's kind of the, it's the winner's curse. It's the yeah, guy I that mean, comes in second place that usually has the bigger career. Well, the especially with American Idol people started figuring out you were better off to not win because if you won, you were contractually obligated to release your album through yeah. their and, and they controlled your career where they didn't have a piece of Jennifer Hudson because she didn't win. And I think they controlled the top 2 originally and then they oh. after that happened to them they they ch- amended it to where it's like well now we get control of the top five mm-hmm. is it carrie underwood and who Bo was Bice the, was no who was the other one daughtry what no who's the first one who won the first one kelly clarkson 
Those are the two big ones, right? I mean Kelly Clark that I mean Kelly, Kelly Clarkson, Clarkson and Carrie Underwood are have had the biggest biggest careers. Yeah. Daughtry had a moment, now he's more of a club play. Casinos probably. And <laughs> and uh um but Jennifer Hudson is Oh no, who's the guy who's front and queen? Adam Lambert. Well that's a pretty big move. I mean, yeah, I mean he when he when Queen takes him out, he can sell thirty thousand tickets a night. But <laughs> no, but, pain, you know, but beyond that, he's he's pretty much a club play as well. Maybe yeah. small theaters. It's you know, um, but you know, Fantasia still does real business. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's how this one ends. It's a really fun, heartfelt, endearing ending. Again, these guys know how to stick the landing. Yeah. And as weird and tonally different as it is from the first one, and it may catch you off guard, they do some really interesting, creative things. And uh, once you know that and accept it, like Tom said, I think it's a little bit easier and and you can enjoy it more. And then you get to that ending and they're rocking out and having a good time. And the, the princesses are back with them because they realize it was the evil robots that were bad and they have kids and a family. Like, it's just they just end on a very happy yes you know good energy note to where it's a fun loving movie yeah you leave having a good time yeah and i so i will say i actually i was lucky enough to get the shout factory has a did a shout select that has one and two on it and that actually just went out of print and it's like a 70 to 80 (laughs) dollar blu-ray thing now but that's the I, that's the best version of these movies I've ever seen. Like, there's all yeah. kinds of special features and great stuff on there. If you want to shell out the cash, I do recommend that set. Like, that's the. Set I would I wait for it. the third one to come out on Blu-ray first. I mean, it's so. Close oh, sure, now. sure, sure. Why, I'm sure, you know. I'm sure, Shout Factory will push it back out there at some point. But it's a fantastic set. Yeah. So yeah, I will say the uh, the biggest shock to me with this one because I hadn't seen it since I got the DVD. It's been you know almost 20 years or whatever. Was uh, how creepy the hell scenes were. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ted is seeing his grandma that used to try to kiss him, and he's he's dressed up in all the prosthetics, which are really well done, and and she's trying to come at him, and Bill is scared of the Easter Bunny because he used to steal his little brother's Easter basket, <laughs> and they are these very, like I was saying earlier, it's very Tim, Nightmare on Elm Street, Tim Burton inspired, like the visuals looked very Burton esque and very creepy, and like it was, it had elements where you felt like you were watching a horror movie. Mm-hmm. which this is just a PG Bill and Ted movie, but man, those scenes were creepy. So good. So I, I want to wrap up on just a, an interesting anecdote. It's, maybe that's not the best way to preface this, but just a, a, a fascinating little story. So on July 5th, 1978, a man by the name of Robert Alton Harris and his younger brother, they stole a car that was occupied by two 16-year-old boys. This story is going to take a dark dark turn before we circle back around. <laughs> okay. Ordered them to drive to a remote area that killed them both. The The brothers then used that car as a getaway car, robbed a bank. Uh, they were arrested less than an hour after the robbery and charged with the murder, auto theft, kidnapping, burglary, bank robbery. One of the arresting officers, this is really sad, Steve Baker, was the father of one of the murdered boys but didn't realize it until Ugh. later. Harris convicted sentenced to death uh on march 19 in in 79 right you know how death row goes takes forever he finally is put to death in 1992 they ask him if he would if he has any last words and those last words were whether you're a king or a little sweet street sweeper sooner or later you dance with the reaper he quoted bill and ted's bogus journey 
for that's the, gross for yeah, i know right <laughs> like why are we ending on this note <laughs> i just thought it was an interesting story it's, it's, and so it's a I great line it. like that's a great line from from the reaper like it's yeah. i love that line from but it's such a great like, line when he what says what a it, weird thing to i know right will and testament is yeah like <laughs> quoting I, bill and ted i just thought it was a a fascinating little side avenue huh. <laughs> so thanks no problem that's what i do <laughs> But no, I, I, if you haven't seen these, I I recommend them for your, uh, for your kids. Like this is totally worth it. Some people like the second one more than the first. I can't get behind that, but I think it's an interesting movie. Certainly, I, the death stuff is great, and anytime death is on screen, it's it's great. I think they just as much as I mean, I did enjoy how weird and wacky it was. To me, it felt like the hell stuff was a little meandering. Like they yeah. got them to hell and they didn't really know how to fill the time. It was a lot of very drawn out scenes and the jokes were good when they hit, but it was a lot of just like seeing them in hell and like yeah. the drill sergeant things. I'm like, I don't care. This is getting boring. Like it, it just, it meandered in hell. I liked the stuff before and I liked the stuff after, especially when they get, get the Reaper. But without the, until the Reaper comes, that whole hell thing, is just kind of like super creepy eh. it's very nightmare on elm street like there's yeah. a in nightmare on elm street 2 there's a the gym teacher i think is the same actor okay maybe maybe not but if it's not it's like can we get a guy that looks like that guy yeah <laughs> but yeah it's it's very creepy so there you go bill and ted one and two there we go i guess uh that's it for this one uh, let's go around the table and everyone can say where to find them this is joe you can follow me on the twitter at joey butts b-u-t-t-s 21 this is kevin follow me on twitter at kevin r bracket and this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And of course, check out our Patreon where for five bucks a month, you get all sorts of bonus content and you help out and we appreciate it. So uh, that's it for this one. Uh, coming up on the next one, we will tackle Bill and Ted face the music. Until then, Lou stays in 1986. I'm Bill S. Preston. Esquire! And I'm Ted Theodore Logan! Bill, here, you take it. Okay. And Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.